Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. Last time on the Life Giver Podcast. Who is where you want to be? Uh, and, and being able to pick their brain for how did they get there? But having mentoring couples is is paramount because they can uh, validate the struggles that you're currently in. Mm-hmm. Usually having a mentoring couple that's at least a decade ahead of you and at least in the next season of life, at least not maybe even two seasons of life ahead of you. That, that gives you that encouragement of going, you know, if they've got kids at college and you've got, you know, tiny ones at home to be able to say, Hey, you're going to survive mm-hmm. this. And here's what I, here's what I did that worked. Here's what I did that I wish I would have done differently. And so they can advise that on parenting. Um, they can be your sounding board for, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And I'm, I'm thinking in five meter increments because sometimes you're in just engaging little five meter targets mm-hmm. and they're able to go, okay, here's what the long story looks like. So that goes into like, how do we get there? And so you came up with those questions. Yeah. And so how do we get there? And just very briefly, I'm actually going to just camp out on one of the questions because obviously I think that they um, speak for themselves as far as now, how do we integrate all this information into not necessarily a plan, unless you're one of those people that likes to write out a plan, but um, how do you integrate all this information and maybe looking at bringing in extra support. There's no shame in you going to a clinician or a counselor to navigate if you're having a hard time reintegrating or getting on the same page, or if you're having a hard time with those really tough conversations that might need to be had. Um, A professional can help you not only find your words, but if it's marriage counseling, can help you verbalize those words, be that mediator for that, make sure you guys are hearing each other in a way that's productive. And so, but what I really actually want to camp out on as we close this hour and then move Mm -hmm. into question and answer is this question about what areas can you compromise or collaborate together? And this was something that Matt and I, you know, we, I I had written down one question and then we decided to adjust it. And really all it comes down to is again, going back to um, what are you kind of putting away that you really wish that you could keep in your life because Mm -hmm. it's a new positive coping skill for you. It's just that reminder of this is not about necessarily sacrificing and putting, you know, the, the deployment self away Mm -hmm. and trying to find that person from before and, and ignore who you've become. Mm -hmm. Right. It's really about like, okay, like this is me now, this is you Mm -hmm. now we kind of have some new things about us that we've picked up over time. And so, um, Um, How do we collaborate together to make that happen? It takes a little bit of adjustment. I mean, just for the silly example of like, hey, I think I want to go play the cello. And he's like, sure, go play it. There's a part of me that's like, does he really, is he really okay with me playing it? Or is he just saying that? Or, you know, there is that adjustment period of collaborating together Mm -hmm. to um, really live it out and Mm -hmm. actually try it out and see how it goes. And, you know, it's, 
It would be completely understandable though, if I'm like waiting to practice my cello for every night when he's home and it's now two hours every night. And I mean, it's every, he has every right to go, okay, this is kind of consuming all of our nights is not quite what I thought we Mm -hmm. meant about you continuing the cello. Is there another way for you to do it where you don't sacrifice it completely, but that we Mm -hmm. kind of honor that time that we have together too. It might take that adjustment and that conversation and how do we collaborate and kind of make this new normal like a Play-Doh, right? Like Mm -hmm. just kind of form this as we go and, and continuing to communicate through it and conversate through it in case we might need to adjust things a little bit along the way. Yeah. Because on the deployment, you're making most of the decisions I mean, definitely with the boys in mind and I'm making decisions, I mean, but you're making decisions for you. Like, what do I want to do in this moment? Mm -hmm. And you're the adult that weighs in on that, you know, 99.9% of the time. And for me, I'm going, well, you know, if I have the opportunity, what do I want to do in this moment? And then when you come together and you two adults that actually have to go, (laughs) okay, what do I want to do? What do you, what do you want to do? And how what does do, that impact you? And... <laughs> like, and so if you're intentional with your planning, if you, if you communicate, this is what's meaningful to me. If you're intentional with your planning so that you set expectation, so you're able to go, Hey, look, this amount of time during the week, that's absolutely great. If you, cause I'll, I'll plan to do something else. I'll have, I'll have my own thing. Right. Um, and not just like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. And you just kind of walk off. Mm-hmm. You know, that nobody likes that, but you know, growing up and adulting is hard. And one of the things you have to do is you have to organize your calendar and you have to organize your, your coin purse and figure out like, you know, where do we put our time? Where do we put our money? How do we invest in that? Um, Cause you have to partition those things off. Well, mm-hmm. So hopefully that was helpful. Um, definitely something that we are still navigating, um, especially when you bring kids in the mix of all of that. There's definitely like what's going on with the kids and how do they adjust and kind of form into like what their routines and what they adopted over time as well is all part of that is, uh, um, for sure. So mm-hmm. we are going to go into some question and answer. I know we already have one question in the mm-hmm. question and answer box. Um, and we also have the questions that you sent in when you registered. So you, I love this one that was presented. It's, it's, a big question. It's actually like two or three questions in one, mm-hmm. um, but it's a really tough question and it's valid though, for sure. So I'm not going to read it because I, I want to make, make sure that I honor if there's any anonymity that's there. But mm-hmm. um, the question, which is a common question is um, from a spouse perspective, when the service member comes home and, um, and they're having trouble reintegrating and um, she's wanting him to engage more and be more responsible. He's trying to not have um, a lot of conflict starting. And so it's kind of like, they're not hearing each other. They're kind of like um, contrasting with each other. And so she's asking about, first of all, if he's spending all this alone time and all this time playing video games and not really connecting into the family. Um, she's still taking on the heavy load of everything that's happening mm-hmm. around the house. And the, the first question, there's a, a couple in here, but the first question is it can really bring you to a place when the reintegration is not going well and mm-hmm. the new normal is not going well. And like I said before, when it's m- more stressed and more adulting and it's really yeah. hard, um, it's very normal for you to have these kind of internal feelings of, man, it was easier when we were apart. Um, so I want to first just validate that that is a normal feeling to have. And, um, it's obviously destructive and hurtful if you say it out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is normal to have that moment of like, man, I, you know, it was, it was nice when I had that time to myself and it was quiet or Mm -hmm. it was, you know, even though I had, it was hard, 
you, there's also these little pieces of it that you kind of looked forward to. Um, and it's small things. It could be, you know, I had control over the household and loaded the dishwasher the way that I wanted to do it, or I ate what I wanted to eat, mm-hmm. ate what I wanted to eat. Is that yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, and so it's a normal feeling to go, man, I think that might've been easier. And so first of all, I would definitely encourage you to not say those things out loud. And if you have said, if you've said them out loud in conflict, mm-hmm. definitely something to go back and yeah. just, um, heal that wound and, yeah. um, and repair that damage that's happened. Because honestly, I don't think we all mean that it's coming mm-hmm. from a place of desiring healthier connection and healthier re- reintegration mm-hmm. and really wanting it to not be harder on the other side. And now we're in a place of conflict with this question, right? Because what she's saying is I need to confront him on the things that he's doing that feels destructive to me, or at least not helpful or yeah. harmful to the reintegration. And I don't want to bring it up because I'm weary. I'm so tired um, that I'm, I'm going to just say it out loud because I hear it all the time. And, she, and it was also put in the question is that from a spouse perspective, it feels like we've taken on another child mm-hmm. to manage. So first of all, let me kind of just speak some hard truth, understanding exactly what you're saying as far as why you're saying it. Um, I would... Um, I would encourage you and other spouses that are feeling this way, I would encourage you to, when that feeling comes up, to very quickly arrest that thought. Because as soon as we entertain that thought of it feels like I've got another child in the house, um, first of all, it's not true, right? You did not marry another child. You married a grown adult. Um, And so you've got to remind yourself that this is not a child. Um, they may or may not be acting like a child. There's just some some patterns that we've got to adjust. And there's some confrontations we might need to have and some tough conversations that need to happen. The good news is you've got another adult to do that with. And so be careful to not entertain that for too long. Don't entertain that thought that I've got another child. Instead, remind yourself, arrest that thought and remind yourself it's not... My husband is not a child. They are my husband. They are my spouse. They are my lover. They are my friend. They are my person. It just means we've got to have some tough conversations. Do you want to respond to that? Yeah. So a couple of things that actually came up to me um, was if you feel like your spouse is not being attentive to your needs or attending to something that you need done. Um, first off, you've got to be able to communicate that. So set a time and a place, never spontaneously like surprise somebody. Nobody likes a sneak attack. And so it's to be able to say, Hey, um, I'd love for us to set aside some time this week. What's a good time for you just to be able to communicate where we're at and a few things that I want to be able to bring up. Okay. And, um, and, and just put them at ease and go, the reason I, you know, the reason I'm doing this is so that these aren't a problem. So they aren't underlying issues. So I don't build up resentment. Because um, having that contempt, you know, I think it wasn't the parrots. Who was it? Who does the uh, the institute in, in North Carolina? Ooh, Rio no. Leslie. No, no, no. That's oh. Colorado. Um, the one in North Carolina where they video. I'll have to get back couples. to you on that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they uh, they determine, they, they they do this thing where they, they videotape couples. And they allow them to live in an apartment Gottman. for a while. Gottman. Yeah, John Gottman. So, <laughs> Just hey, needed more somebody, information. Yeah. So, uh, so Gottman does this. And what they determined was the number one predictor of relationships failing mm-hmm. is resentment and contempt. Number one, hands down, if you see things that are contempt and you start to notice in yourself that you're harboring contempt for your spouse, it's the number one thing that kills relationships. So you have to... You have to address what your needs and your wants are and be able to differentiate between your needs and your wants. 
And if it's a need that you feel is not getting met, communicate that. And uh, if you feel like you need the help of a professional, go get that. And then the second thing is, is, um, is there a specific way that you need that need to be met and be done? So for instance, if it is contributing around the house, taking care of household chores or whatnot, and, uh, or you know, raising the kids and, and being back involved as a parent, is there a specific way that you expect that to be done? Or are you willing to compromise and collaborate on the way that they're actually trying to, to, to weigh in? And here's the thing is positive reinforcement goes a long way, a, lo a lot farther than negative reinforcement. So if the service member is trying or making an attempt and, and failing valiantly, at least give them the positive response of, okay, I see you're trying, okay? Um, and here's the thing, if they're coming back into the home and it's young kids and they're not getting good positive reinforcement from the children, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, that's To true. not have that connection. It is heartbreaking. Because, do you see that, do you think it's, yeah. that service members in that heartbreak would hide? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you hide, avoid. you run, you're like, I, I guess I can't I'm be a failing. good parent. I guess I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm failing. They don't love me. They're running to you. They don't know me. Da -da -da -da. And they'll start to shame themselves. And so what's difficult in that moment is you could be exceptionally tired as the supporting spouse yeah. needing me to parent. I want to parent in that moment, but in that moment, the children aren't being cooperative mm -hmm. and you've got to be able to encourage me, which is hard because you're exhausted, mm -hmm. that I need to keep trying and keep attempting. And then it's the tiny little wins, you know? And so you've got to communicate, you've got to communicate what I need to do to win with the kids um, and not do it for me and because that comes easy because you've been doing it the whole time. And, and I just want to acknowledge that what he's saying sounds exhausting. And yeah. I know that there's weary spouses out there. that are like, I don't know if I can give anymore. And all yeah. I can say to that is you need to read my book, sacred spaces, <laughs> because it really um, walks through that resentment that when he came home, all that resentment that I had and was struggling with, um, how I ultimately took a look at that and, and had to start resolving it and how, to, what does it look like to repair your marriage, um, post-deployment yeah. really. And how do you kind of bring these two, um, these paths together, mm -hmm. but can you, can you speak for what if, cause this is what they're asking. And I see this other question that popped up. So I did see it pop up and I'm going to address it. Um, can you answer what about if that service member is not trying like, I think that's, what's behind the question is oh, yeah. they're not trying. Um, and I just want to say one of the things that, um, stands out to me the most about your question is there's a phrase that you used in there that says, but I need help. Yeah. And that is such a powerful phrase. And it's such a powerful phrase to say to your spouse in yep. that situation. Right there. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is be honest mm -hmm. in kindness. Um, we did one of these segments, one of the videos that we did on communication, we talked about how to be assertive without being wow. passive aggressive or passive and not being aggressive. Mm -hmm. And so aggressive would be to storm into that room where they're playing video games and rip that Xbox out of the room and say no more, <laughs> right? That's really aggressive. You may want to do it, maybe the right thing to do, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be beneficial and get your point across, but to be assertive, to mm -hmm. own your need and own your, your discouragement and own exactly where you're at. And to be able to say in kindness, I am so tired. I need your help. I cannot do this without you. And I feel alone. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of I, uh, a lot of I statements 
it's not a lot of accusation. It's just you kind of owning your truth and kind of standing firm and what you know to be true about yourself and what your need is and communicating that still in kindness. Mm-hmm. So anything you want to say else about no, that? We'll go to the I next mean, question. You, you have to say that. Yeah. I need help. I think that's, you actually found your own words. And yeah. so um, being able to say that is important. Again, going to a professional, help you say those words if yeah. you need to. Um, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. Okay. So um, the next question is similar, but it's actually addressing alcohol, which is again, a huge mm-hmm. issue within our community. It's the drug of choice for um, our community and our yeah. culture. And so the question is how do you handle when drinking is as a coping is the opposite for your spouse. In other words, it's a service member, um, that is using drinking, um, as their coping skill. Um, and mm-hmm. because of the stressors, right. COVID harder to get outside to do things. Um, and so now, um, some of those things have compounded and stressing your spouse out. Um, and so it sounds like we are drinking more than we need to be. Right. Um, Okay. And so how do we address it without the kids feeling like they're suddenly doing a bunch of things wrong or upsetting daddy all the time? I'm trying to understand that. I, I, I think that's, I think that's bordering alcoholism if it isn't. Yeah. And here's the thing, like, um, we, we don't have a problem with, with alcohol in our, in our home. Not that, I mean, you know, I enjoy beer. She enjoys wine. So we're not coming at it from a very like fundamental um, conservative place. Um, but I will say, you know, I've always had a, a a two drink maximum rule for myself and have a great friend that, um, he said anytime that he feels like he needs to have a drink, he doesn't specifically because he doesn't want to medicate with that. Um, I call it class six. It's the non-prescription pharmacy because a lot of people, instead of actually going to see a doctor and getting on medication that would help them deal with trauma, anxiety, depression, any of those things, they actually, it's just too easy mm-hmm. to avoid that, not have it on your, your medical record, and then just go on down to the classics, get something numb, and really, because it's just numbing and it's escaping. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is you're numbing the feeling and you're escaping from a problem that's going to be waiting for you as soon as you sober up. And it's just going to be the next day. You're just going to feel worse. Mm-hmm. And what it ends up happening is we could be, you know, we could be having a difficult time just dealing with teenagers. Right. You know, and you're like, hey, you know, let's relax and, you know, kick back a few and and we'll feel better. Right. But then all of a sudden the lack of our ability to connect may come out and we may go, Oh, I really miss you. And I wish we went on more dates and, you know, which our inhibitions are down. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. we are sober and you say, Oh, I really wish we went out on more dates. I'm like, yeah, me too. But if I'm, you know, several beers deep, I'm like, so what, I don't take you out on enough dates. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the problem? Like what, it's what am like I doing? All the insecurities and yeah. fears and lies, like, like surface and you have no filter, yeah. you have no self-control. And yeah. so that's just what we have found. Um, as we've worked with other couples and in our own life is that um, rarely is it really worth it. And you really kind of, the deeper you get into this, the more um, trouble and destruction starts happening. And so such a valid point. And so I think that, and I want want you to be able to answer from maybe a service member perspective or from a a man perspective, a male perspective, but I just want to say, 
Um, again, going back to those tough conversations, setting boundaries are very hard in, in relationships and in marriage. And when I work with couples, um, I would say 99% of the time, the problem, no matter what that problem is coming into the session, it could be drinking, it could be um, lack of communication, it could be betrayal, it could be any number of things. 99% of the time, the issue at its core root is a lack of shared values. It comes down to what do we believe that family means? What do we believe marriage means? What does it, what do we believe coping means? That's a value. What will we do when we get stressed? And there's a difference of opinion on that. And so this is a, this is a values question. This mm -hmm. is what do you value in this moment? Um, family time and being the best that you can be um, for your spouse and your family, mm -hmm. or do you value the alcohol more, right? What do you, the spouse that was writing this, what do you value more? Um, the peace in the home of keeping quiet and not saying anything at all, or facing conflict until something changes. Mm -hmm. That's a value, right? Yeah. And so this really does come back to, I hate to say it, but it, you have to be able to speak your truth and learn to say mm -hmm. it in kindness, to be able to say, um, this boundaries are very healthy in relationships. And it's very important to have those boundaries and know how to say them and set them and hold them. And so being able to say um, either, I think that you have a drinking problem, mm -hmm. or if that feels scary to say, um, to be able to say, say that I say, and again, to be able to say this, um, this pattern that we have in our day-to-day -day life is not working for me. Yeah. Um, I'm very worried about you as far as how much you're drinking and how you're coping with the stress in your life. What can I do and who can I be to help you deal with these stressors better? Because you drinking as much as you are is, is kind of creating some consequences between us mm -hmm. and consequences with the family. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to feel like I'm walking on eggshells. And I think that we, we both might need help with this. Yeah. Um, I think that it's, it's scary to say, um, but just kind of root yourself and ground yourself and speak the truth in love. And yeah. that's the only way to grow as a couple. When you speak the truth, it, it is, it is love and it may not <clears throat> come across as loving, but um, it's, it's moving into a difficult place, especially if it's a difficult truth, the willingness to move into a difficult place and have that conversation with another person says, I love you in your betterment in our future together more than I love the comfort of right now. And so for off, so often people actually go through the comfort of right now. I'm just going to deal. I'm just going to try and be comfortable right now. And we're just going to kick that rock down the road and kick it down the road. And it's going to pick up steam. And eventually it becomes a boulder that you're like, how did this become a boulder? Well, we didn't deal with it when it was a pebble because we wanted the comfort of right now. And now it's very uncomfortable to deal with that boulder. But you asked, you know, mm -hmm. from, from a service member perspective, or at least strictly from a male perspective. Um, and you love this, the crayons. So I think we actually were born, mm -hmm. um, most, most men were born with four crayons, mad, sad, glad, and anxious. And if you're sad and anxious, that usually becomes mad. So really it's just glad and mad that you're trying to deal with. And because we don't have that education growing up, because we feel our feelings very deep and we sense them, you know, very deep in our soul. Like if we're mad, we are severely mad. If we're glad, we are having the best time in the world. If we're anxious, we are three sheets to the wind. And if we're sad, might as well crawl in underneath the table because we feel those things so deeply but we don't have words for them many uh many men were not allowed to feel them they were you know they were sublimated you know they were pushed down um and you weren't able to sit there and go how do i how do i deal with this very uncomfortable 
feeling right now when especially with stress work stress feeling like you're you're anxious about an evaluation anxious about a deployment anxious about a training how do you deal with that anxiety how do you sit in the midst of that and just let it be and when it's a negative thing too often like especially like let's say you've got a problem and you're telling me about the problem nine times out of ten i'm like here's how to solve the problem Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. let's solve this problem rather than going what if we just sit in it for a second and allow ourselves to kind of feel it just to kind of understand it? What if I sat in that with you mm-hmm. so you didn't feel alone? Mm-hmm. It's hard to do that because I'm, I am, and I think most men are problem solvers. So when you have those negative emotions, you're like, well, I got to get rid of this. How am I going to get rid of this negative emotion? Mm-hmm. I want to drink. That's a good thing because if I do that, I won't feel sad or I won't feel anxious or, or mad or I'll just turn off the prefrontal cortex for a little bit and I'll be better. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes nothing wrong with that. If it's done in moderation, in safety, if it's agreed upon, if we have shared values. But if it's the constant go to, you're never really learning how to deal with the uncomfortable emotion. You're never really learning how to sit in that uncomfortable feeling. If you're not plugging back into the family because you are anxious about how you're going to perform within the family or being able to parent again, and you just constantly leave and constantly go to video games and constantly go to something else, you're never growing. You're never learning actually how to become a a better human being. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is you will replicate that in your children. Yeah. And so you'll only have that difficulty later on when you're looking at them going, well, why don't you know how to do that? Well, because you didn't learn how to do it and you didn't teach them. But the great news is, is there's plenty of people out there that can help you figure that out. Mm-hmm. You deserve that. Mm-hmm. You deserve to be able to sit in a place of peace and find it within yourself to be able to feel a negative emotion, sad, mad, or anxious and to figure out how to deal with it in a way that isn't destructive because you're able to control it in the professional environment, especially when you have to maintain your military bearing. But what happens is we turn that control off when we get home. And when you have to stay controlled, overly controlled, you almost, the pendulum swings into the other place when you get in at home and you lose control. And you've got to find that little balance for the pendulum so you can actually kind of stay centered most of the time in your life to be able to sit in that anxiety. Is that all right? Oh yeah. And speaking of uncomfortable feelings, um, I just want to, um, point out from the chat that I know it's hard to say things because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but, um, healthy marriage, not only has those boundaries, but Mm -hmm. has healthy accountability and has to, it's, it's Mm -hmm. a constantly evolving process. It's never something that you arrive at, but it is really, um, important over time to learn in your marriage, how to have those tough conversations, because they're, they probably should happen more often than not. And of course it's, it's, hard when, when Matt comes to me and says, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, um, this is something I'd like for you to change or take a look at. And, and maybe it hurts my feelings or maybe it's just uncomfortable, but, um, if it's something that he needs to bring up, he has a right, you know, what we learned in assertiveness in that communication talk is you have a right to your thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Mm -hmm. And you also have the right to ask someone to change behavior if it feels destructive to you. Mm -hmm. And so that means he has a right to say it and I've got to learn how to accept it. Now, neither one of us 
process is perfect. We're not going to get it 100% perfect every time and, and find the perfect words. It's not, that's going to cause the least amount of psychological discomfort to the other person. Sometimes we just have to have grace and hear the, the root of what they're trying to say and that we're doing the best that we can. We should always kind of do the best that we can to say it in kindness. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes it is going to hurt someone's feelings and it's probably the psychological discomfort that they need in order to make a change. Yeah. One correction. You said that you have to accept it and I would disagree. I would say you have to be Mm -hmm. open to hearing it. Yeah. Just because I want to be assertive and say, Hey, you know, like, we had a conversation last night. You're taking jujitsu with Aiden now. Mm-hmm. And so last night we were like, so how many nights a week is this actually going to be? And we were kind of differentiating between expectation. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to assertively, I was like, well, this is what I feel like the right number is. And it, it seemed like you were coming at it from a different angle. And we both had different reasons yeah. for why we were approaching that number of, you know, days a jiu-jitsu week. sessions a week, right? <laughs> and so we were in a we were in an argument. We went to bed angry. We woke up this morning. We we're like, hey, I still love you. I'm not sure where we are, uh-huh. you know, as far as agreeing on that. But we both were assertive to say, here's where I'm coming from. We both were open to go, I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to listen. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. assertive grown-up communication is to be able to say, I'm going to speak for myself and I'm going to say these things for these reasons not to attack you or defame you or to hurt you personally. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to speak for you. I'm not trying to mind read and say, you're doing this because you don't like me. And yeah. you're It's to say, here's why I'm not comfortable with this. And, and the other person has the choice to, has the choice to grow up, to hear it, yeah. to hear it mm-hmm. and to go, well, and one of my favorite phrases that I teach people is like, Hey, the best response is, yeah, I, I, I need to take a look at that mm-hmm. because Take a look at it. Taking a look at it says, I'm going to respect your opinion and your mm-hmm. perspective. So, so, so good. I know we camped out on that a little bit, but I think it's important. And I think it also um, covers a lot of what we're talking about tonight, as far as the tough conversations you might need to recalibrate your relationship and get in sync with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so this other question that we have, um, I realized looking back that I kind of read half of one and then the other, and that's why I was confused. But mm-hmm. the actual question as I am understanding it is that during the deployment and because of COVID and because everything that was happening, um, there was routines and structures and, and, mm-hmm. um, um, things that were allowed in the house or allowed in your life and, and daily living um, that you did to survive mm-hmm. and um, to keep the kids occupied and surviving. And you were trying to choose your battles. Totally know what that's like as a mom, especially during a deployment where you're like, you know what? I mean, I have, um, I have my younger son, we tend to clash and tend to fight on things. And I remember during that first deployment, I I was like, I have to choose my battles or I'll be fighting all day long. Mm -hmm. And so there were some things that I relaxed a little bit on Mm -hmm. and other things that I was like, all right, that's the battle that I'm going to have today. And it was for my sanity and also for the relationship with my child so that it wasn't contentious all the time. And so when you get into this place of reintegration, that can be kind of surprising to your spouse. Mm -hmm. Who's like, wait a minute, why are we like allowing these things? Why are we like, like this is, this feels like either a lot or, and I don't know what the actual situation is, but maybe like the, the home is the playground now, <laughs> or like things are just kind of feeling more chaotic to the service member, but it was, it worked for you. It worked for you. And so, um, I think my way of answering this question is, and this is a hard one because, you know, you found something that works for you and what, what it feels like to me is that, you know, when Matt comes home from a deployment, mm-hmm. the things that, um, 
there's just blind spots that I've mm-hmm. just kind of allowed in my day to day, um, for whatever reason. And suddenly when he's home, he's seeing things that either I'm just choosing to ignore or mm-hmm. that I've just turned a blind eye to, or that I just don't want to deal with it or mm-hmm. whatever. And so he's suddenly seeing those things and it's bringing it to my attention. And there's so many emotions that come with that. I think what's dangerous mm-hmm. is again, going back to what we said in the very beginning, what's dangerous in your relationship is if you kind of, um, ground yourself in my way and it's going to stay this way because that's what works for us. I think nothing makes the service member feel more on the outside and Mm -hmm. not needed and not a member of the family than we say, you know what, you're just going to have to deal with what we've decided to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that you go to the other extreme and everything changes because that can, depending on what we're talking about, that can throw your kids off too. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think, again, it goes back to this collaboration. It's, it's, can I hear from my spouse what this is like for them to enter, to reintegrate back into the home with things feeling maybe more chaotic to them? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a difference in discipline? Is there a difference in parenting? Are they having a hard time kind of joining in on that parenting when this is not something that they feel comfortable with, but it's something mm-hmm. that you do. And so that's a difference in parenting styles mm-hmm. and, and how we view home and family and all that. So I think have those conversations carefully. I think it is um, be willing to choose your battles with your spouse. Mm-hmm. So just the same way that you did with your kids, it's kind of going, all right, what am I willing to give on a little bit and kind of see their perspective and kind of incorporate and kind of say, you know what, maybe it is time to tighten the ship just a little bit. Maybe it's, maybe you sit, depending on the age of your kids, maybe it's you sit down as a family and talk about, okay, now that we're all home and together, what is it going to look like moving forward? Cause we might need to change things because COVID is kind of coming to an end and school's going to open up soon, maybe. And so the whole world might be a little bit different right now. So how mm-hmm. do we as a family function differently moving mm-hmm. forward? And now we, everybody is on board. Yeah. Yeah. And, and somewhat in that question, I was understanding like, um, when we were dealing with the boys going through COVID and because there wasn't access, we were a lot more lenient on screen time. And I'm, I don't know if that's what's inside that question, but being graceful with yourself that we haven't ruined an entire generation. Um, and it become it can become difficult because as adults, we don't understand uh, what the kid experience has been. So mm-hmm. there's that. But um, one of the things as you were talking, I wanted to going back to what and you were we'll saying with values is um, be able to communicate your why of if you have a value of a parenting value, being mm-hmm. able to communicate why. And sometimes when we can hear not just the what the what or the how but if we understand the why, then uh, I think they can help out a lot more. So, yeah. So good. And we have a few more minutes left. So I'm going to go through the questions that you guys submitted during the registration. Um, some really, really good questions. I think um, as far as how to stay connected or reconnect after deployment with no communication, that's really tough. I think um, ease into that slowly, be very respectful. This is like, I imagine like a Navy couple where he, um, he or she's been on a ship and there's mm-hmm. really been no communication or they've been in a remote location. And so I would just say in that reintegration to just ease in slowly, um, communicate as best as you can, be very graceful with each other if there's 
big differences or you feel like you're disconnected, it will come back over time. Mm -hmm. Think of that time of reintegration as shared, um, shared experiences. And one of the things we talked about in sacred spaces is one of the keys to bringing your marriage back together is to have more shared sacred Mm -hmm. spaces together that counteract the number of sacred spaces you've had individually. So this time of reintegration, this ability to connect is really about, okay, how do we set the tone for our dates and our time together so that we kind of bring in as many shared sacred mm-hmm. moments together and sacred space moments are built off of multi-sensory um, experiences that you have together. So maybe you do a date night that is kind of unforgettable, right? Where you go do a food tasting or do a mm-hmm. cooking class together. It's multi-sensory. It's one of those things that you're not going to mm-hmm. forget, right? Then you, you create a shared memory that's positive mm-hmm. together. And then maybe you're not talking about all the things that you missed during the deployment. Instead, you're talking about that really amazing date night that we had, right? Mm -hmm. We have more things to talk about from this point forward to kind of fill in the gap of the time that maybe you spent um, apart. So is it okay if we move to the next one? Yeah. Okay. Um, I love this one about how do you as a spouse take a break after coming back? Do you want to share like some of the things you've tried to do for me? Uh, Well, first as a service member, I have to give you, it's not that you need my permission. Yeah. But I have to explicitly say, go take care of yourself. And then I have to make the space and the time for you to do that. Yeah. And I have to believe knowing that I have to believe you're probably exhausted, Mm -hmm. that it's okay Mm -hmm. um, to know that it's going to be difficult for you to do that. To know that, especially if, you know, back when we had young kids that I had to be up to speed on what all was going on with the kids. Like, what's their favorite transformer? Like, what's going to keep them from crying? You know, uh, what do they eat? love to eat? You know, they get dad meals, which is Totino's pizzas and chicken nuggets. In case you were wondering, just two Totino's pizzas, sprinkled chicken nuggets. <laughs> Win for dad. Win for dad. And, Heaven uh, forbid you add a so- can of green beans. <laughs> <laughs> which I tried and failed. Oh apparently. my gosh. You wish she introduced so we gotta say a topic yeah. though. <laughs> so, um, so I have to know that I have to explicitly tell you, go take a break, go take yeah. care of yourself. And, um, and sometimes that's, sometimes that's legitimately saying, Hey, by the way, I already, I already bought the hotel room. Yeah. So haha, we can't take it back. If you don't go, you're the one wasting that money. Yeah, he has done that. We tried to do that after this deployment. And a lot of the things we tried got sabotaged for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, I did have a speaking engagement in Oregon where I did have that whole weekend actually to myself in a room by myself. And I knew that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. And so coming back from that, I think I really reached that place of being feeling restored because mm-hmm. I could just just be in my own space and sleep as much as I needed to sleep and take care of myself that way. So I think you like, if your spouse isn't like offering it, then you got to ask for it. You just really have to ask for it. And whether that's like going for a walk or a run, or whether that's going for a night in a hotel room um, by yourself, um, please take care of yourself and communicate what that looks like. And don't ask them to guess that. I think the next one rekindling the love and keep things Mm -hmm. fun and exciting. I think that could be super real. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So one uh, resource that's like really just blowing up. That's great that we're using is rekindling love, rekindling desire by Esther Perel. And it's one of those places where it's actually like walks you really through. It's not just about sex and sensuality. It really is about like, how do you actually sit back and be comfortable in your own skin? And I know I remember you saying when we had young kids, 
Like mm. you get to this point where you're just like, just quit mom, 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 mom. Yeah. It's all a little touching. And at some point you're like, could everybody not need me for just a moment? Mm -hmm. So you could have yourself back. One thing that's hard for, for military <clears throat> couples or for, for, for families that have kids is, uh, is that you're constantly feel like you're needed and you're relied on. And to be able to sit in your own skin, have your own mm -hmm. autonomy, your own um, agency. And also will. learning the, the communication again yeah. with your spouse. Um, she just does a really good job of helping you understand desire and how to get that desire back. And mm -hmm. so we would definitely recommend that. And I will um, make sure to adjust the, speak, the uh, listening guide to reflect that link as well. Cool. So very good. Okay. And I can answer this one quickly as far as um, there's a family that newly came in um, to being in the military. And so your kids are really struggling with that. First of all, I would um, say we did a parenting series. Mm -hmm. I think it was in January. Be sure to listen to that. Um, and also just understand that um, kids are going to go through a variety of feelings, whether you are on the other side of deployment or mm -hmm. whether you've made a new decision coming to the military. Mm -hmm. And they have a right, like they have a right to have their own thoughts, feelings, and opinions about what's happening to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so giving them voice to that and giving them space to share their mm -hmm. frustration is so valid and important for them to learn how to share their feelings about that. Um, in one of the previous webinars we did, we uh, I think it was one on communication where I shared the five-minute check-in with a feelings wheel. I cannot even stress to you how helpful this is to walk mm -hmm. teens through the feelings wheel and that five minute check-in to help them learn how to communicate mm -hmm. um, their feelings. Great for you guys in your marriage as well to be able to talk mm -hmm. about those tough things. And so vision casting, I think is what, um, what is important here. And this mm -hmm. is not a political statement at all, but I just want to share, um, that, um, one of my favorite quotes was from George Bush's decision points book. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really helped me as we've navigated this military lifestyle. There's a part, there's a part in his story where he talks about how he was the governor of Texas and he was thinking about running for president and his um, daughter was a teenager at the time came to him on the back porch and she begged him. She begged him, please don't run for president. Please don't do this. This is not something that we want to go through. We're going to be dragged through the mud and through the press and all of that. And we're asking you not to do it. And I loved his answer because he definitely is a family person and values his kids. But his answer was, you know, it was something along the lines of your mother and I have a calling that is, that is on our life. And it's something that we have to honor that calling and do the best that we can with what's been given us and, and make mm -hmm. the best decisions that we can with what we are being asked to do with our life as a couple. And the best that we can do is, is honor that and be a model for you because someday you're going to have your calling and tough decisions that you're going to mm -hmm. have to make. And your kids are going to struggle with that too. Mm -hmm. But, um, he, listened to his daughter, but he also cast vision to say, I know this is going to be hard, but if I don't say yes to this, here's the consequences or mm -hmm. here's what could happen in our life. And, or, and maybe that's just, I won't feel like I'm living out the calling that's on my heart. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes casting vision for your kids is one of the best things that you can do. Um, these last two questions I think are good advice on how to best discuss different military related topics with family members who may not understand or may not have experienced um, military life so hard. Do you want to go into that or you want me to answer it? Um, I don't, it's a, if you don't have the same context or frame of reference, it makes it all but impossible. I think that I would say that too. And that's it's, okay. It's really difficult. The more that we've actually tried to 
to describe it. Um, words fall short. You know, there was a there's a blog I wrote back in 2013 when I was about to go attend um, a Medal of Honor ceremony for one of my soldiers. And there was a, a part that I remember writing in there and I had heard from somewhere else. So I'm paraphrasing quote. And it said, for those that know, no words are needed. For those that don't, no words will do. And it really is kind of the point where, you know, we all have our sacred spaces yeah. within our different branches, within our different experiences, you know, um, and you just sometimes you just have to have that person. So, for instance, mm -hmm. I will say this. I know you're going over um, today. Uh, I'm, you know, assisting in preparing a memorial ceremony. And the first sergeant walks up to me and we start comparing notes of where we've been. And it turns out he was in my first first assignment. Mm -hmm. He was in a sister battalion and we started talking about who we knew and who he ran with. And he ran with some of the guys out of my squadron and we start talking and the rest of the world dissolves away, just absolutely dissolves away. And then we tried to communicate to some other person, you know, who we were, you know, fourth brigade mountain warriors and what you, what you knew about, you know, back then Colonel George and, and all the, the leaders. And, and the more you just talk, the more you're like, nobody's ever going to get that. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, you know, very small microcosm. But I mean, when you talk about the military at large, it really is hard. But but here's the other thing. Like, I think it gives you that much more voice to go to the next question, to talk mm -hmm. life and to speak life into people in the military. Yeah, because you're doing it with them. You know, they, this person, you know, said that after 20 years, they still have days of struggle. We just told you we argued last night. Mm -hmm. We still have days of struggle. And it's about and, bringing purpose from that. Yeah. You know, it's not about get, being perfect. It's not about having arrived. It's not, you know, um, your relationships and your life need to be more about repair than perfection. Exactly. And so out of that repair of repairing mm -hmm. myself and restoring myself after a difficult deployment or a difficult week, mm -hmm. I've got to learn how to get better and better at repairing and restoring myself or mm -hmm. engaging in repair and restoring with him. Mm -hmm. And out of the confidence of our ability to repair when we need to repair things mm -hmm. comes our ability to serve you and to um, invest and bring purpose from our struggle. Mm -hmm. You bring an aspect of joy and peace mm -hmm. to your relationship when you realize that you can take that struggle and bring something good out of it. Henry Nouwen would say <laughs> out of our greatest woundings comes our greatest ability to provide healing in the life of another. Because you actually know what that looks like. You know what it takes. You have the experience. I mean, you may have the head knowledge, but you got that heart gut knowledge. And so I think it's extremely valuable to bring that to bear. And so wrap this all up. Yeah. The reason where we want to pour into your marriage and encourage you and your family is because we know that this doesn't just stop with us, that there's people out there that are watching that they're going to go through something difficult. They're going to, they're going to overcome. And then they're going to turn around and pour that into somebody else's life. Why? Because this whole community is going to keep going long after we're here. I mean, long after we're way gone, right? So it's taking what you're learning now, apply it to your marriage, gain mastery over it, and then pour that into somebody else so that you're, so that the thing you're struggling with now becomes the thing you point back to later on and said, that's when it was dark and that's when it was painful and that's when the hurt was. But we overcame, we got mastery over it. And that doesn't tell us who we are right now. It doesn't define us. Mm -hmm. And that's how you add value. And so I want to close with this quote from the book that I've always said, 
April 10th, 2010, I wrote this from Afghanistan. Only those things for which a price has been paid have lasting value and true worth. And that's our hope for you, is that you pay a really good, deep price to do the hard work mm -hmm. in your relationship, individually and together and with your family. Mm -hmm. And by that, you actually give lasting value and true worth to this marriage that didn't have value when you first began it. And the more you go through it, the more you have those sacred spaces, those shared moments, mm -hmm. those struggling times that you come out on the other side winning and kicking tail. That's when you have something that you have to protect and it becomes a, pri a, a priceless mm -hmm. gem. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.